Week four is in the books, and your Nittany Lions improved to four and oh, 63 to 24. Just a huge victory. Started off a little concerning, but a win is a win. Pat and I break down everything from this game, weekly awards, and start to look ahead to next week. Let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Sunday, September 23rd, and Penn State is 4-0. I am your host, Chris, as always, coming to you from Los Angeles. My co-host, Pat, this is actually a new one for us, coming to you live from, is it Brooklyn? Brooklyn, New York, baby. Woo, this is our first apartment. This is our first ever remote podcast. Gotta say, it's a little weird, but uh, we're powering through for the fans. A little strange, but I, you know, I... I can roll with it. So you're on the East Coast this weekend for a wedding, right? Yes. yes. How was it? It was great. And uh, so it really worked out for me that the game was on Friday this week because the wedding was on Saturday. Oh, nice. Huge plus for me that we played on Friday. Very good. Very good. Now, now wedding time, are you like life of the party? Are you going to get pulled out there to dance? What's your your go-to? You know, I did did a little dancing. I, I I would say my intoxication level was extremely appropriate. Okay. Right where I needed it to be. Um, so it was just a great time. And w- best wedding I've ever been to as well. Awesome. Fancy, the food was great. Just amazing. Very cool. Congrats to the happy couple. And congrats to our Nittany Lions. We're 4-0. Um, exactly. Another week actually, the, of kind of... The that was, was a former Nittany Lion. She actually used to date the center of the Penn State football team. Oh, okay. So yeah. this is perfect. Exactly. I yeah, she got so married another... to someone else, but, you know, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, we won't, we won't knock him, <laughs> but screw that guy a little bit. <laughs> um, so another week of kind of tale of two teams started off a little concerning, and then second half, team comes alive, and we win 63-24. to 24. So lots of, lots of fun stuff to talk about, a couple things that we definitely need to correct and get ready before next week. Um, but let's start, as always, with our weekly awards. So for the listeners, we give out uh, our weekly lion and our lamb. So lion is MVP, lamb is your... Least valuable player. Pat, who's your lion this week? I mean, it, this is an obvious one. Um, but you got to give it to him. Miles Sanders, of course. The man. I mean, had 200 yards, three touchdowns, um, along with you know, some huge touchdowns. The, here's a guy. He kept us in the game the, this week. Um, you know, Trace really didn't have his best game. He played fine. Um he made plays when he needed to, but he wasn't, like, amazing. But Miles Sanders was amazing. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, yeah, he was my first choice, of course, for this award, too. 22 carries, 200 yards. That's an average of 9.1 per carry. Yeah. I mean, the guy was just moving the chains. His long was only 48. So like we've talked about, it's not not inflated. I mean, he's something special, man. And, and this, I think, was his sort of breakout game, breakout moment where – you know, national national eyes are now starting to look at, hey, that Miles Sanders dude is pretty damn good. It, it just seems like every time he's touching the ball, something good's going to happen. You know, you're getting at least five yards out of him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's funny. I was, uh, I was perusing Twitter yesterday, and I saw someone, one of the Penn State accounts tweeted, like, Miles Sanders is a top five running back. Changed my mind. 
And I was like, well, no, of course I wouldn't change your mind. I think you're very right. But I wanted to come up with something snarky. So I went and I looked at, uh, looked at the rushing yards leaders for all players in Division One, And I had to delete my tweet when I replied back because I realized people were still playing. So the numbers weren't completely updated. But now that it's Sunday, Miles Sanders is number six on the Division One national leaderboard for yards coming in at 495. Um I kind of I would even put him at five because one of the guys above him is the quarterback from Navy, who I guess they just run the ball all the time. So that doesn't yeah. count. Yeah, get out of here, quarterback. I think they run an option offense, Navy. Yeah, and then the the national leader right now is a dude named Daryl Henderson from Memphis. He's just putting up video game numbers. He has seven hundred nine yards on fifty eight attempts. So his average is Jesus. twelve point twelve point two per attempt. So I don't think that'll sustain. Yeah, and, like, who the hell are they playing as well? Exactly. So, after that, you look at, you know, Jonathan Taylor. He's up there doing his thing. Dude from Kentucky is pretty good. Dude from San Diego State. But, I mean, Miles Sanders is doing it at seven yards per carry. I mean, that's better than all of those guys, save for the Memphis dude. Um, So, I I put him up there in the top three or four when you're talking about true running backs at big-time programs. He's doing it better than anyone else, or at least at that level. Yeah, I agree. And you made a great point last week. I don't remember if you said it on the podcast or before. Where, you know, if, if he had come after literally anyone but Saquon Barkley, he would be hailed as, like, the next greatest Penn State player ever. Yeah, yeah. And it's – it's. I, I said it in the postgame, like, instant reaction is, I, I'm done. I'm not even going to keep comparing him to Saquon. I love Saquon. He will always have a piece of my heart. He had a great day today for the Giants. But this is the Miles show, man, and he's doing it and he's getting it done. And, and that's where our focus should and needs to be. He's, he's killing it. Yeah, I mean, he's – you got to love having this kid on your team. He's just been amazing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my lion this week, um, I figured Miles would be the first choice. So I had a couple that I was going through, a couple different options. And I I think we've given our lion to an offensive player pretty much every week. So I'm going to flip the script a little bit. Uh, I think maybe I've given it to like a defensive unit before, but I'm going to give it to a player. And I'm going to give it to Garrett Taylor, who is a starting safety for us. He's one who, this is his first year, he's really starting. He's played rotationally uh, in the past. But he was second on the team in tackles this week with seven seven total. He had one one and a half tackles for loss. Saw him in the backfield a couple of times, and he made just a couple of really nice open field tackles that I don't know if you could say touchdown saving, but damn near close to um, when those when those Illinois running backs were getting going. He made a couple that you know grabbed the dude to the legs. Really nice open field one on one, and it's just it's one of those that again maybe if it doesn't even pop off on the stat sheet, which it does this week because he's the second leading tackler. It's just one you're watching the game. You're like, wow, that dude's around the ball all the time, making big plays, and and I think we need that in this defense. Is you know we've talked about this a lot. Is how we need somebody or a couple people to step up and be that dude. And I'm hoping this is sort of the first step to him establishing himself as, you know, a, a top end safety that we can, we can count on. So Garrett Taylor, you are my lion of the week, brother. Yeah. He had a great game. Um, our, our defensive backs for the most part did a very good job. Uh, really there were a couple plays here and there. I'll talk about later that, you know, I was disappointed in, but our, our defensive backfield as a whole, I think is very good. Yeah, I agree. And uh, we'll talk about that plenty when we get into our Ohio State preview later this week. My mind is already there. I'm like, I'm like, fuck Illinois game. I'm over this. But we're going to go through the Illinois game first. Um, so, yeah, I agree with that. Garrett Taylor, my line of the week. All right, moving into the lamb. Who's your least valuable guy needs to get it together this week? Um, so this is a tough one because the second half was – I my gut reaction was, again, to give it to the defensive line unit. But then they had a really good second half. Um, yeah. I'll talk about the first half that I really didn't like later on, but I got to give my lamb to Jake Pinnegar. 
Mm, nice. Nice. Well, not nice that he's a lamb, but yeah, I've good choice. Really underwhelming. Um, you know, he's fine, but he he's really struggling with the the field goals. He's gonna be fine as a you know an extra point kicker, but his field goal game is not looking great. And that miss was a bad miss. Yeah, it was ugly. And uh, I'm actually kind of happy you you put him here because uh, I actually had this in my ugly section. So. I have another one. I'll save it. But the kicking game in general for me, yeah, his his extra points. He was nine for nine, which is great that we have nine touchdowns. Um, and I think he's I think he's perfect on extra points throughout the season. But this is his second field goal miss. So he's one for three on field goals, and it's not like they're fifty yarders, you know? No, they're they're all makeable. Yep. So that's scary. And, and we his knew misses have been bad misses too. Right, and we knew coming into the season this was going to be an area of opportunity. You have two true freshmen doing kickoffs and field goals. So not only Pinnegar, but I was going to put the other dude, Rafael Checa, on, on blast a little bit too. He kicked another one out of bounds. That gives them the ball at 40. That's at least the two. second. Did he do two in this game? I think so. I, I had a couple of Miller lights. Um, I was going to say that's at least the second game this season that he's done that. We go into Big Ten play, the heart of Big Ten play, to Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin. You can't be kicking the ball off and giving it to them at the 40. Like, yeah, that's that is – not a recipe for success. That's, I mean, it's pretty – I think in college it's the 35. But, All right, close enough. Um, yeah, I mean, you, and, and if you're playing a close game, you can't afford to have the other team start the, with the ball at the 35-yard line. Yes, exactly. And a missed field goal will do that, right? I mean, we're, yeah. you said we're taking these at the 35-ish. you know, ish. They're starting the ball there on their 40, 45. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's, – it's not – and the other thing is you can – he kicked a couple out of the end zones. Like, he's got leg. Um, yeah. He's just he really needs to work on his consistency. Because that one yeah. that he kicked out of bounds was just like a – looked like a total shank. Yeah. I, I, I think he just botched it and missed where his normal spot is. And, again, that sets another team up or maybe a more talented team to really capitalize on our mistakes. So, Jake Pinniger, you are a lamb this week, sir. All right, my lamb, I was kind of the same thing. I didn't have like a ton a ton of people that I really wanted to call out here because, again, you, you leave this game with a very positive sort of memory. The second half was great. We score a bunch of points. Both of my bets won. Shout out to me. I'll get to that later. <laughs> um, but for me, it's, it's uh, John Reed. So we talked last week how he had missed two games, and we weren't exactly sure why. Came back this game, and this is completely like qualitative. I don't have a whole lot of stats for him. He just looked lost, man. Um, I think it was, I don't know if you remember, I think it was after the botched Nick Scott fumble recovery where, you know, we, we stopped him on the half yard line and Nick Scott couldn't corral that, that fumble. The next play, they throw like a dart into the end zone and, and John Reed is standing there like five yards away from the dude. It looked like he didn't even make a play one way or the other. And it almost looked like maybe a miscommunication. He was supposed to get the short man and somebody else was supposed to drop, but he just looked like he didn't know where he was supposed to be. And Again, a guy that's supposed to be a shut-down number one corner, who I, I still believe he is and can be, he just looks, he just looks lost, man. Yeah, I was, I was going to talk about that play specifically when we got to like the, the ugly. I'll cover okay. that, though, because I think that yeah. Reed, John Reed is a good choice for uh, you know, a lamb of the week. Because I, on that specific play, you, got, you saw Illinois, they basically ran – it wasn't really a, a hook, but just sort of a seam route where the guys stopped. And – I mean, they were throwing – line of scrimmage there was like the six-yard line, I think. Yep. And he's playing so far off his man. And so the, the bigger issue to me wasn't uh, his – like 
the way he played on the plays, everything he did, like sort of pre-snap, I guess, is you're playing in the red zone from the six-yard line. Nobody should be getting cushion anywhere. They're not going to be able right. to burn you from there. There's right. no reason to give a receiver any sort of cushion in that situation. And it's just a really dumb play. Yeah, and, and even if you're playing in zone at that position – press up, make them think you're man, right? Like, you got to give a little bit of effort there. And, again, I'm no defensive specialist by any means. Well, even but... when you play zone defense, you still kind of play a man. Uh, you, you, yeah. You play yeah, yeah. men who are in your zone. So it's not like you're really just defending a zone. Right. Um, it, on that play, it looked like he was like, hey, I got this back corner of the end zone and I'm not moving unless yeah. someone comes to me. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was just – it was a really – it was sort of a bonehead play by him. Yeah, so I'm looking at the stat sheet now. No logged tackles all game. He had one pass deflection. That's his only logged statistic. So kind of how we've talked about Jawan in the past couple weeks. Real quick shout out, and I'm sure we'll get to this later, but Jawan for the first time ever is not a lamb. Congrats. Um, But kind of how we've we've, we've talked about Jawan in the past. We're like, listen, we know he'll get it together. That's how I feel about John Reed. I think we will see him make a ton of plays down the stretch. But right now it's just, hey, you're a lamb for this week, buddy. Yeah. Um, just not a good game from him. Yeah, and it happens. But when we're up sixty-three to twenty-four, I'm okay with it. Not so I mean, much when we're going to be in close this games. Week, but you got to make sure that you know in the next coming five weeks it doesn't happen. Yeah, and this is that's that's why this game was a little scary too. Before we jump into the good, bad, ugly, um, I don't know if I if I said this on last week's, but Franklin had a funny uh, funny quote in last week's press conference where he said, um, "Winning is the deodorant that covers up the funk of a game." You know, there's a lot of things that are smelly and ugly, and, and if you win, you kind of forget about them. So he was talking about how he actually coaches harder after wins than losses because, you know, you want to enjoy the win for the moment, but then you got to go and really fix those things. And that's what this game felt like is like, yeah, we blew them out. We covered, right? Good teams win, great teams cover, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of funk. So so let's get into our good, bad, ugly. We'll start with some more good, and then we'll talk about some of that funk that we need to get better. So what's, uh, what's your good this week? My good for the week is um, our – our run option. Uh, it seems like Trace, just ma- other than maybe one play, made the right decision handing it off or keeping it between him and Miles every single time. And Trace, Trace had a really good rushing game and had some really key timely rushes in that first half when it was not clear that we were going to win this football game. And it's yeah. like every single time he kept or he handed off, it was the exact right decision. And I love seeing that because that's going to be really important going forward. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I'll, I'll actually I'll piggyback onto that. The good for me was just the run game in general. Um, yes. you, look at, you look at those stats, so Miles Sanders, we already talked about 200. Ricky Slade, 10 for 94. And, of course, he had that big 61-yarder that inflates it. But he, had, he had two touchdowns, really, really good-looking runs from him. Um, he put the ball on the ground once, but it was kind of that weird, like, direct snap kind of thing, and he picked it up. I'm not super worried about that. Uh, and then Trace, 15 for 92. So you got – almost three guys over a hundred yards, you know, three guys over 90. That's a really good run game. Um, I'll get to the, in the bad a minute about a little bit more on that, but when it's working, I mean, I get it. Just, just keep feeding them. Uh, yeah. 387 yards on the ground is, is a pretty good day for, for the, the, the big boys up front on that offensive line. Yeah. And then the other good I have is Jawan Johnson. finally yeah. Back into the offense, man, four receptions, 51 yards and a great touchdown. Um, I love seeing him. He got involved from the start of the game. You know, he, he had one of the first receptions of the game might have been the first reception. And it was like, a, you know, five, six yard or nothing special. But just seeing that 
gave me so much confidence. I'm like, all right, he's in it. He's here today. And then, you know, and he, that's what happened. He showed up and it was great to watch. Yeah, I, I was so excited. I think you're right. I think it was the very first play of the game because I remember looking around to people at the bar and I was like, Juwan, is he back? Is he back? It's almost like the uh, like the Texas. Back. Is Texas ever back? Or Tiger. Tiger is back. Oh, Side note, he won today. Um, but yeah, I think Juwan is back. That touchdown, man, that looked so, so pretty. Uh, only his second touchdown of his career. Uh, so now he's got the game winner at Iowa and that leaping. I mean, I don't know if they if they call it posterizing in uh, – in football, I know it's a basketball thing, but man, I would put that on a poster. Um, oh. It was just, it was a really nice grab. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy you called that out. Uh, Juwan, really, really fun game. And I hope, I hope that leads into more sustained success for him. I think it will. I think, um, I think he's, you're going to start seeing him really showing up, especially with big games coming up. I, I think he's going to really get into it. Be part yeah. of it. And I think Trace knows that, uh, you know, he, he, Showed that he's a guy that Trace can depend on. And Trace knows that, you know, when we're playing these tougher teams, he's going to be a part of the offense that we need. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's get into some of that funk. So, let's, uh, so listeners, what we do is we go good, bad, ugly. Good is self-explanatory. Bad is, is something that, you know, not great, but we can live with. And then the ugly is where we talk about the worst. So what do you have in that middle category? What do you have for your bad? All right, my bad is um, I don't know if you remember the third Illinois touchdown when they threw that like uh, like flea flicker, I guess. Yeah. And so my, my bad there is on um, Amani Orarier. Um, he he shouldn't be getting fooled by that play because he's got to actually be reading his keys. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, when you're a defensive back, what you actually look at, you don't watch whether the ball's handed off. You look at what the linemen do and whether they're run blocking or pass blocking. Those linemen were still pass blocking on that play. And, it, and it's not like it was even a play that looked like the quarterback was scrambling and about to come up. You know, it was, it was if you break it down, it, you know, obviously uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it, it's a play that, you know, he's not even approaching the line of scrimmage. And Amani just saw the, the handoff and went right in instead of sticking with his man on what was very clearly a passing play. Yeah, they, they uh, played him like a fiddle on that one. And it's it's always tough being sort of, you know, called the backseat driver, if you will. But when you're sitting at a bar or at home somewhere watching the game and you see that play develop, you're like, what the fuck are you thinking? The, the dude was never running. How could you not see that? So, like, I get it how in real time instincts somewhat take over. But I think you're absolutely right. It's like he just saw the dude, like, get the ball pitched to him and he just bit real hard. Uh, and they, they burned him for it. It was a very easy, wide-open touchdown from – a running back to a receiver. And it, it would have been – that's coverage that he, you know, he makes too. Um, yeah, because even, even after the bite, it, I mean, it wasn't like he was super, super far off. If he hesitates, you know, two seconds more, I think he's in place to make, make a play, at least attempt. Yeah, and I, like I said, it was, it was just sloppy, kind of lazy football where he just – he didn't do his job right. Didn't read his yeah. key, didn't – you know, didn't watch the lineman pass blocking instead of run blocking. And it's annoying to see that. Yeah, that's some of that funk, man. That, that 63 points will make you kind of forget about, but it's the X's and O's. He'll get ripped for that in the film room. Oh, absolutely. And he's, I mean, he's a leader of that secondary. He's, you know, he's had his interceptions. He's had his big, yeah, he's, big he's moments. Than, that's the other thing. He's better. Yeah, than and, and I think he knows it too. So he'll get ripped, but I think, I think he knows he messed up and he will, he'll take that to, to correction. All right, uh, my bad of the week, and this is stay with me on this because I'm going to take you on a little bit of an adventure. 
My bad of the week is play calling. Ricky Ronnie, I, I got to talk about it a little bit. Uh, first season as the offensive coordinator, and you're going to be saying, Chris, how could you possibly have a problem with the play calling when we win 63 to 24? So, Pat, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. We had 71 total plays from scrimmage. How many of them do you think were rushing? Probably close to 50. 51, right? So 51 rushes. And I'm going to, I'm kind of like counteracting myself already. I'm, I'm going to be a little hypocrite because I just said, hey, if the run is working, of course you're going to keep running it, right? Miles Sanders had 200 yards. Trace and Ricky over 90 yards. Of course, I don't have a problem with that. But when you have Trace McSorley throw the ball only 19 times in a game, I, I'm a little concerned, man. And the other part is, okay, the receivers are inconsistent. They're dropping balls. We don't really have that hero, so let's go to the run. Sure, I, I understand that too, but you can't just completely abandon one phase of the game because things aren't working. That's how you get yourself into really, really big holes and big traps because you get to a point where you're kind of one-dimensional. And we have the read options that you were talking about, so there's there's always that element, which is which is nice, but you need to be able to establish a passing game and – I think what concerns me the most is if you look at these four games, we're, we're four games into the season. First game, threw the ball 35 times, right? Kind of had to. App State, we were down, going into overtime, had to. Uh, side note, App State is 2-1, and one, and they are clobbering their opponents. So yeah. I don't know how that goes into rankings, but I'm happy to pull away with a win there. 35 pass attempts first game, 30 the second game, 22 last week, and 20 this week. So we have consecutively gone down in our passing attempts week over week over week. And I, I just, I worry what that means for confidence in the past game versus, Oh, the run is working. So we're going to do that. Like it almost tells me, Hey, we're not super confident in this. So we gotta, we gotta just keep feeding miles. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to actually disagree with you on that one. Uh, just because I don't think that is the, I don't think that's why there's fewer passes. I think it's just, you know, when you we're putting up 63 points, you're not going to pass the ball as often. Um, and the other thing was, I actually, so I, as a fan sitting at home, I was kind of thinking the same thing where I'm like, man, like I want to see us open up the offense and make Trace throw. But it, when you looked at it sort of strategically, I think it was actually the smart decision to run the ball, not only because it was working, but in the first half that, uh, you know, especially the second quarter, that Illinois defense uh, offense was kind of picking us apart. And by running the ball, we were keeping them off the field. And so I actually liked the fact we were controlling the clock, controlling the pace of play, and keeping a defense that we couldn't stop at the time from burning us by keeping them off the field running the ball. All right. That's, that's not a bad point. I still, I, still am, I still am concerned about the fact that we have consistently gone down week over week because I want to see at least some stability there. Um, because, you're, listen, we're going to get into these big-time defenses that are going to give us some trouble on the run, and you need to establish that rhythm. Like, I, I get what you're saying, but – you got to throw some of them in there. Um, I understand so that, what you mean. I just, just so I don't confidence, see it as you know? something to worry about going forward because I think we're going to start again when we're playing the Ohio State's and the Wisconsin's, and they're big score games that are close the whole time. I think you're going to see us passing the ball a lot more, and I don't yeah. think there's especially when you hear Franklin talk about Trace McSorley. I don't think there's any lack of confidence in him. No, and and maybe I said that wrong. I don't think there's a lack of confidence in him, but I think in the passing game, because of some of the drops and some of the inexperience at receiver, I wonder if they're worried about that inexperience getting to him, meaning like he's throwing these balls up, kids are dropping them, kids aren't getting open. So that kind of messes with the rhythm. 
Um, but I think you're exactly right is in these games, we are going to be passing more. And that's sort of why it worries me is because if, if we're going to be needing to pass against Ohio state and Iowa or Wisconsin, I want to make sure we're prepared for that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, I, I think after your point there, I can see both sides, but I just, I want to, I want to make sure that these guys know exactly what they're doing going into these big games, you know? Yeah. I understand where you're coming from. Cause again, like as a fan, uh, purely, I yeah, same way watching the game. I just wanted to watch Trace pass the ball more. Sling it, man. Sling I do. It. I do understand where you're coming from. I just don't see it as an issue going forward. I hope you're right. I really do. And and again, this is why I have it into bad and not the ugly. I'm not like super concerned about it, but it's yeah. it's something to note. And I will say one that I actually am a little pissed off is uh, we'll call it the Happy Valley special because I'm not going to call it the Philly special. Ugh. Toss back to Miles. Miles throws it open, wide open, Trace in the end zone. I was so excited. That yeah. was a super cool play. Sucks that it got called back for a, for a penalty. But if you've got something in that you're in like your bag of tricks that you've been working on, why are you going to unveil that in the Illinois game? Like, why yeah. not save that for a big moment? You know, that is a good point. Um, I just like you. You hear all the time about. Uh, coaches not showing their full playbook in the first few weeks of the season because they don't want to see their conference rivals seeing everything that they've got. And I don't know, maybe that's just me overreacting because I really liked the play, but that just seems like one that maybe you'd want to hold on to for a moment where you kind of need it. Yeah, I. it's hard to disagree with you there. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Ricky Ronnie, you're in my badge for now. I, I love, I mean, again, we're averaging 55 points a game. I have no problem with what this offense has been doing. Uh, it's so much fun to see them just putting up points after points after points. Um, I just hope we see a little bit more of a balanced attack, but got to, uh, got to keep, keep, what is it? Feeding, feeding the, I don't know. Some, there's some saying about that, but uh, <laughs> we'll move on. Cause I don't know what the saying is. Let's Man. get into the ugly. There, there's definitely some ugly. So, uh, Start us off. What do you got? Yeah. So, I mean, all the ugly really took place in the first half, thankfully. Yep. Um, other than the opening drive of the second half, our second half was nearly flawless. Um, but in ugly in the first half is, again, our defensive line uh, just like really underperforming. And it, it's something I've talked to you about before. They're, they're fine at creating pressure, but they tend to get into this thing – where they like kind of head down bull rush and it's really easy to run around that. It's easy to find holes in that. And that's why you saw in the first half, their running game, just pick us apart. Like absolutely ran all over us. And I, what I did like though, is that you saw an adjustment in the second half where our defensive linemen were suddenly making plays at the line of scrimmage where they're not making them in the backfield, which I, which is great. Making plays in the backfield is phenomenal. But you saw a smarter play out of them where they're, they're meeting the line, uh, the running back at the line of scrimmage, and they're clogging up holes. That's what they weren't doing in the first half is closing any holes. They were creating holes. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, so to, to put some numbers there, Illinois had 245 rushing yards against us. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to jump into this one with you. My ugly was the run defense as a whole. Um, I agree with you, defensive line. So we, we only had one sack this week. Uh, so Coach Spencer, we will be sending five dollars your way to sack hunger. Hopefully, we'll have some more in the next couple of weeks so we can uh, continue to build up build up that charity. Um, but yeah, only one sack, and it was it's funny they they actually attributed to half to Rob Windsor, half to Ellis Brooks. Rob Windsor took that dude down. Brooks came in for the hit at the end, which was nice. But um, yeah, one sack is not great. Uh, the the run defense for me. What's super concerning is 
our two leading tacklers on this game were Garrett Taylor, who I talked about, and the guy who actually had one more than him, Jonathan Sutherland. You know what position he plays? Safety. Also safety. Yeah. If your leading tacklers are both safeties, Not I good. don't love that. Like, and I, and I know that there's – I mean, we've had plenty of times in the past where Marcus Allen has been our leading safety, but they've used him in different ways. He would play down in the linebacker area, down on the line. Yeah, so like in a game like this where you're, you know, you're two deep safeties who are not particularly known as like, you know, big hitters. I mean, they're both young, so you don't really know. They're your leading tacklers. That means the guys are getting to the second and third level pretty consistently. Um, yeah, they weren't making the majority of those tackles at the offense, at the line of scrimmage, at the, you know, one or two yards up. They, those yeah. were tackles being made, you know, eight to 12 yards deep. Yep, exactly. Um, looking at the tackle sheet, just a quick shout out. Trace had another one, I think, after an interception. So biggest biggest hitting quarterback in the league. Um, but yeah, I, I, the run defense is, is scary. And, and you're right. I mean, after that, I think they scored once in the second half, and then we went like 42 unanswered. So the corrections are great. And, and this is the scary part that we've talked about from a couple of years ago, where we were consistently a second half team is uh, you, you can't get into that kind of hole against a good team because they're just they're not going to shut down like that. Yeah, I mean, and I you do have to give some props to their running backs because uh, they, they were great this game. Yeah. I, I got to give a little shout-out to my dad. I was watching the game with him, and <laughs> they handed it off to their running back. My dad goes, wow, hand off to Epstein. That's something you never expect to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Papa Colicchio coming in. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, those guys were good. Epstein had 73 yards. Corbin had 87. Uh, and then they had a couple other guys who all had, like, 20, 30. So, yeah, they were just – it seemed like every time they were handing the ball off, the dude was in the middle of, like, the linebacking court. Yeah, they were, they were second level, it. like, right away. Yep. I will say uh, the, the one part you talked about before with, uh, you know, our, our D-line kind of plugging some of those holes, it was really good to see some of those, like, big boys kind of get in there at the end of it. There were some plays that um, – who was it? It was Rob Windsor and then I think Kevin Givens. Mm-hmm. They were just bodying dudes. Um, like, really well, – In the just, second half they were. Yeah, that's what uh, I mean. They, they did that's a really great job playing smart in the second half. Again, plugging up holes. But they they got to do that more consistently. I think yes. part of that is that it's a, a young group, and they get a little over-aggressive. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And that that's what I want to see is, like, they're big dudes. Like, Gibbons and Windsor are both big defensive tackles that if you just eat up some space and let the play kind of come to you where you can break off and make that tackle, I think they're going to be okay. Um one thing, one thing I, I do need to point out, uh, I don't know if you saw this yesterday um, on Twitter.com. Have you heard about that one? I have. Uh, the Matty president. Bowen. That right? Yes, exactly. Um, very good at it, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Manny Bowen, who we vowed not to speak about again because he's not relevant to the team, mm-hmm. he tweeted yester- yesterday at 8, 12 in the morning. So this is like, you know, the morning after the game kind of cryptic he doesn't tweet often his his last tweet before this was august 31st so his tweet coming out of like twitter retirement says gotta fill those gaps dot 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 i mean i think that's just him watching the game yeah but like that's your only tweet like no 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 no. i don't think he's coming back it almost seemed like he was kind of like throwing some shade like i don't know man I i think those are his boys i hope so like and i know that they are but i i don't know it was just a lot of people were like uh a lot of people were making a big deal out of it. I mean, I think this is his account. Imagine it's like a fake account, and I got I got tricked into this. I, I think that's. I think people are blowing that up about nothing. I think, first of all, those are his. You know, those are his guys right there, and they yeah. love him. 
Um, true. As true. Far as I know because there was a lot of support for him when he tweeted about coming back. They were yeah. all really excited. So I think they all like right. him, and that's just him watching the game. And that's, I mean, really, you know, he's right. You do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he's he's one hundred percent right. All right. This is my clickbaity moment of the episode. Whatever. I'm over it. <laughs> um, Fair enough. But yeah, the run defense is the ugly. Um, you, you just can't give up that many rushing yards and expect to win. And you know what's funny is in our preview, I said, what did I say? If we hold them under 200, I'll be happy because I didn't think that the, those yards would necessarily turn into points. Well, yeah. shit, man, 245. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. So that's a little, a little scary. But Yeah, um, and I mean, in general, we're a defense that gives up a lot of yards, but not a lot of points usually. Right, right. But to see us doing both in the first half was worrisome. Because yeah, and- you, you get to a point where, like, all right, we're, you know, we've played Illinois and Kent State and Pittsburgh. It's okay to bend and not break, but once we get to the Ohio States and the Wisconsin's and the Michigans, are they going to take advantage of, you know, this 245 yards rushing? Probably. Yep, it's, oh, yeah, big time, big time. So I will give out a couple, couple of uh, positives in the defense that I missed earlier. Two interceptions, um, really good day. So our guy Jan Johnson okay. had that kind of funky one that popped off off the ground. Um <laughs> It was really funny to see him. Like, he I was love so excited. He was so I was excited. I so wrong about him. Oh, my God. I love this guy. You and me both. He's, he's playing well. And I think, I, think, I think linebacker in general is still something where we don't know, like, who the best three are or what that, what that core should look like. But, I mean, Jan Johnson, let's see. He had uh, six, six tackles and an interception. So, he's the third leading tackler on the team with an interception. I'm okay with that. Not bad. And then right behind him is Ellis Brooks, who had – Six tackles, uh, half a sack, and the interception. His was actually really nice. Uh, he just he read it perfectly, yes. cut the dude off, and I think he he almost took it to the house. He got caught, right? Yeah, I think yeah. he got caught. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was a really nice play. So it was, it was cool to see the defense making some of those plays. Um, you know, we had the fumble that that Cam Brown just knocked out that dude's hands right at the goal line. Yeah, great. Obviously didn't obviously didn't recover well, it, but the the hit from Cam Brown was incredible. That was a phenomenal um, play by him. Nick Scott's just got to pick that up and or fall on it rather. Um, well, I, he that's tried another to... thing. I wish he would have just fallen on it because he would have fallen on it in the end zone. So yeah, it's not like he, you know like that return would was a bad idea to even try to return that because the chances he's making at twenty yards aren't great. Yeah, and I think that's one where just like adrenaline takes over and he's like, "I'm gonna be the hero." Yeah, you know, well, like it, it, I mean, it is what it is, but you got to fall on that one. Um, agreed. Like I said, Ricky Slade put the ball on the ground once, but uh, didn't lose it. John Holland, that first drive, man, we were oh, cruising. Yeah. It was it was Jawan, it was John Holland, and then John Holland again, and kind of same thing. The dude just put put his helmet on the ball. I mean, I don't, I personally don't know how you prevent that, but well, um, it's one of those things where it's like it's both a good play by the defense and inexcusable for John Holland. A fumble yeah. is ne- you never have an excuse for a fumble because you can always prevent it. It wasn't like he was sloppy with the ball either. The, the guy made a good play. He did. But you still shouldn't be fumbling the ball. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, but a good game all, all around, all things considered. Uh, Penn State easily covers the 26-point spread, mm-hmm. even if you got it at 28. I mean, that's just, that's just a really good game. A couple, uh, couple of, let's see, milestones and, and uh, records out here. So the Nittany By the Lions way, I have... do have one more ugly for us. Oh, yeah. Let's uh, go. My bad. I cut you off completely. 72 yards. Oof. It's really unacceptable. Um, we were, I mean, that entire first half, we just kind of shot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, and that's been kind of consistent, right? I think, I think every game we've had at least, I think, seven might be our best game. 
Yeah, I mean, we just we you haven't seen a clean game out of us yet from beginning to end. You've right. seen clean second halves. I haven't watched us play in a, just a clean game of football the entire game. Yeah, I, I I have no problem with that statement, and that's that's the scary part. Yeah, um, we'll talk about it later in our preview, but yes, yeah, I mean, big theme th- this, for next week. Right, this episode will probably be a little bit short. We're at the thirty-six minute mark or so. Mm-hmm. Um, not a whole lot to go through, but but we'll have a full Ohio State preview for you guys coming later this week, where there is a ton to talk about. Um, but let's wrap this one up a little bit here. We've got a couple of fun facts, so. Nittany Lions have scored 222 points in the first four games of the season, which is the most to start a season in program history. Whew. And it's actually the, the most in a four-game stretch in any time in the season. That's pretty cool. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the so, offense is rolling, especially in the second half. Yep, yep. Uh, Trace McSorley extends his streak for consecutive touchdown passes to 32 Longest active in the FBS. Um, they put a graphic on the screen. I forget who was the leader, um, but they were showing it just like Power Five. So you remember a couple weeks ago, I said he has no chance of catching uh, the guy who has the all time record because I think he has like 47 or something. But no, I think if we like, were. I think it was like 40. Oh, they were, were they just showing Power Five in that graphic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. So I think, I think he, has a, he has a chance to get damn near close. Baker Mayfield with 41? Might be. So I mean, Hey, theoretically, if we went to a playoff, get a couple extra games in there. I don't know. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, I mean, Hurley <laughs> has more consecutive games with a passing touchdown than he has career starts. So that's pretty impressive. That's awesome. Um, he passed 8,000 uh, yards uh, for his career. So he's the second player, uh, second Penn State player to do that. Do you know who the first is? Um, fairly recent. Oh, fairly recent. Very recent. Matt McGloin? And more recent. Hackenberg? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, Hackenberg, I mean, he was there. They just threw it all the time because they had to. So. That's true. Um, McSorley, career high, 92 rushing yards. Uh, his previous high was 81 against Maryland in 2016. Yeah, I mean, he made some great decisions with the ball. He really did. Um, and, and when he takes off and he gets going, it's, it's, it's exciting to watch. So um, we'll talk a little bit more in our – maybe in our preview too. Like, at this point, I'm, I'm – like, Trace is not in the Heisman conversation at all. And, and his stats, I mean, th- this is my problem with the Heisman, and I could give you a 20-minute speech on this. It's about video game numbers, not necessarily who's the best player, right? We saw that with Saquon oh, yeah. last year. Um, whether you think Baker should have won it or not, Saquon was at least a finalist, and it was just absurd that he wasn't there. Trace is having a, a really, really good year. He's doing what he needs to do to manage his offense, to win games, to put up big points for the offense. I think the only way he gets into that conversation is if he has big games during our big games. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Puts up, you know, 300 passing yards against Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Right. Exactly. So it's it's cool to see him breaking records, but, man, I want to see him sling it a little bit. I do. Um, and he'll have plenty of opportunities. So um, I think that's all the milestones I've got. With that, let's get into some of our Big Ten awards. Do you have any uh, Big Ten awards prepared for us this week? I do. Um, I've got All right. So we do. Uh, we got a Big Ten baller and a Big Ten bozo of the week. Uh, we try to keep it within the Big Ten, right? We're a Big Ten school, Big Ten team. Um, so give out your Big Ten baller for who in the Big Ten had just a really great performance. What do you got? All right, I'm giving it to a man named Anthony Viola. Okay. Um, this guy is a hundred years old, 
um, was in played in the the second year ever of the Ohio State band, and this week got to dot the I in the Ohio at their game. At oh, that's so years cool! Old. And and he served in World War II in the European theater. Uh, I'm I'm sure Anthony doesn't listen to podcasts, but let he me might. tell you, if you are, if you're out there listening, Anthony, you are my Big Ten baller of the week. That's awesome. When you started that off with this guy's 100 years old, I thought you meant like a fifth year senior and you were making a joke. No, he's actually 100 <laughs> years old. Literally 100 years old. That's awesome. And and I hate Ohio State as much as the next guy. It's Ohio State hate week. He'll get there. But the, I mean, that's script Ohio. That script Ohio is really cool. And that's a great story. A veteran, a dude who's 100 just out there living his best life. That's that's fucking awesome. Yeah, And, and from the original like Ohio State band, like the original incarnation of it. That's pretty cool. That's amazing. That's really, really cool. Um, well, damn, this is supposed to be a Penn State podcast, but I'm about to give mine to an Ohio State guy, too. Fuck. Um, all right. Well, he, he's going to get an honorable mention, and I'll give my actual award to someone else. It's, it's Dwayne Haskins for me, the quarterback for, for Ohio State. I, I hate, like, giving credit, but this dude is just – he's balling out. He had – Yeah, I'm worried about 20, it. 21 of 24 for 304 yards and five touchdowns. That's pretty impressive, right? Yes. That was in the first half. Oh God! All of that was in the first half. I guess three hundred and four yards, five touchdowns. I'm worried. I mean, I don't want to spoil too much of the preview, but he is clearly the best passing quarterback that they've had in the last, you know, however many years from Braxton and JT and Cardell. Like this dude's, this dude's arm opens up their offense so much more. And and you talked about our secondary playing better. They're gonna need to. Um, so let let the record show that Dwayne Haskins is my honorable mention. He did not actually win the award because can't have two Ohio State guys winning it. Fair enough. Um, so my Big Ten baller of the week is going to go out to Purdue. Uh, started the season 0-3, and they take down number 23, Boston College, and, and do it handedly, 30-13. Uh, to 13. Mm-hmm. Um, Their quarterback, who I, I gave a shout-out as the baller last week, David Blau, he had another good game, uh, 300 yards, three touchdowns. Rondell Moore, the, the receiver who everybody fell in love with, I uh, remember that first – I think it was, like, the first game of the season. It was a Thursday night. Uh, he's, like, number four, I think, and he was just, like, running circles on everybody. Yeah, I um, almost gave him my Big Ten ball of the week. Yeah, he had a good game. Eight receptions, 110 yards, two touchdowns. So, good for Purdue. Getting, and a really uh, impressive getting some recognition. touchdown, too. Where he it was. He bounced off this one hit, and I, I, he's a special player. Yeah, he is. So, good for Purdue getting their first win and, and taking down a ranked opponent. So, my Big Ten ball of the week, Purdue. Um, cool. Uh, Big Ten bozo. So this is uh, I mean, pretty self-explanatory. Who, who's a bozo for you in the Big Ten this right, week? Well, I'm throwing a little shade here because I'm sitting here in my sister's apartment who is a graduate of Rutgers University. And I'm giving my Ooh. Big Ten bozo of the week to Rutgers University. <laughs> losing 42 to 13 to Buffalo. Now, oh. Buffalo's 4-0. I will give them that. However, but it's Buffalo. their wins are against Delaware State Temple and Eastern Michigan. Oh, that's ugly, man. That's that's bozo worthy. And then this is the problem with Rutgers. My, my too. Anytime they try to Rutgers should scrap the program. And I gotta, I gotta <laughs> tell you, I don't totally disagree. <laughs> I mean, that money can be can be used elsewhere. Like, there's a lot of good good nonprofits you can give back. Yeah, that's tough, man. And, and when Rutgers tries to like talk smack or anything, you just you point to games like this, and it's like, dude, come on. They're, they're a real joke of a program. And it, it, <laughs> um, I, I feel bad saying it, not only because my sister went there, but my uncle actually used to be the president of Rutgers University, and he's a great guy. Really? Uh, <laughs> Shout out to your uncle. It's just a total joke of a program. 
Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm sure they have a lot of good things going for them. Football they've is not great, one of them. They've got a good wrestling team. That's about oh, all there you go. going in terms of sports at that school. Um, and who cares about soccer and lacrosse? <laughs> uh, all right. Got a, I mean, they're not nearly as good as our wrestling program, but they've got a good wrestling program. Yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, Rucker, this week you are a bozo. Uh, for me, it's going to go to – I don't know their names exactly, so I'll just say Iowa as a program. Uh, and this is this is a bit of a stretch, but it just pissed me off because I really wanted to see Wisconsin lose because I'm sick of seeing Wisconsin win the West without really having to try. They lost to BYU. If they lost this week, that's kind of their season. It was a back-and-forth game. It was – I mean, it was it was defensive battle. I think they scored one touchdown each in the first half. So kind of, it was, like, very boring. It was, you know, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Um but was, Iowa has a shot, and it's at home. Iowa's at home at night. Kinnick Stadium is – I mean, that place is electric. They've got their version of their stripe out going with the, the yellow and black. They do that great tradition that everybody loves where they wave to the children's hospital. I think that's one of the coolest things in college sports right now. Agreed. And they, and they have a chance to win it. So they're down 21-17. Uh, I think there's only like a minute left. Uh, and they're not – I wouldn't say driving, but they have an opportunity. And Nate Stanley, quarterback uh, – I won't even put this completely on him because it's not his fault, but he makes an ill-advised pass. It gets deflected. Wisconsin uh, intercepts it. Game over. And then they actually score to make the score look much worse than it should be, so they win 28-17. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Iowa, I mean, you had a chance, and you just let it slip through. This is this is kind of how Penn State beat them last, last season. It's like you have a chance, and on the last minute, you just kind of fall apart. So, Iowa, you are my bozo of the week. Yeah, and you made a good point about like kind of just watching Wisconsin walk through the Big Ten West. And the Big Ten West is such a joke. Um, it is. So you've got Wisconsin, obviously, who's going to win now. Um, the only contender they had at all was Iowa because you've got a one and two Northwestern team who looks horrible. You've got yep. Minnesota, who's three and one. Um, I don't think they're going to hold up real well in Big Ten play. And then you've got Illinois, who's obviously terrible. Uh, Purdue, who until this win this week looked like one of the worst teams in the country. And then Nebraska who also looks like one of the worst teams in the country. Yeah, exactly. So I will say, and you know what I've noticed too, because I've listened back to our podcast when we do them. Uh, I say the words, I will say a lot. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to work on that. But I will say for now, uh, Wisconsin does have a decent schedule. Like they have Michigan and then they have us late in the season. So, I mean, I'm, I'm chalking that up to a win for us. I think it's going to be a very good game, but I, I have full confidence um so there's there's a chance because right now wisconsin and iowa are both three and one we play both of them i believe um i think iowa might play michigan as well i don't know but either way like um yeah so so there's i mean there's a shot that it comes down to maybe iowa sneaks one more win than wisconsin does but but all in all i'm just i'm sick of wisconsin yeah i like i said their conference i mean their division is just such a joke it is i I think the big ten needs to you've got Two, they decided to split the Big Ten up into two divisions. And in one of those divisions, you've got Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. And then in the other, you just have Wisconsin and yep. sometimes Iowa, depending on the year. Yep. And Nebraska, if it's like 10 years ago. And Nebraska's been horrible recently. Really bad. So, yeah, I think they – I don't know if they need to restructure. I just – I don't like – I don't think the Big Ten really works with two divisions just because – it's going to be the same shit every year. I almost want to see, like, for the Big Ten, for as many good teams like, as there like are. The just give me... It's too big to not have divisions. 
Yeah, but can't you can't you do something like a, just the two best teams in the Big Ten play for the Big Ten championship? So you can get a Penn State, Ohio State, or a Penn State, Michigan, or a Penn State and someone else because I'm not going to name another team. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be Penn State. That's obvious. Yeah, of course. Um, the- yeah, but it's just like, I don't know. It, it's one of those where if you're going to if you're gonna have it this way, you kind of have to restructure. But the way college football I, 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 goes, I, I, you I, never know who's going to be good. You can't tell me that Wisconsin's the second best team in the Big Ten this season. No, absolutely not. And they haven't been in previous years. You know, there have been plenty of years where it should be two teams from the East and it just doesn't work that way. And then that, that, that if it was just the Big Ten championship and that was all, I, I don't give a fuck, but it plays so strongly now into, into the college football playoff. It's just like, yeah, you know, we've seen it where if you don't win your college, if you don't win your conference championship, or if you do, depending on how the committee's feeling, you know, that's somewhat of a factor. When you've got four teams that all open the season in the top, what, 15, 20, um, they shouldn't all be in the same same uh, division of a conference. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But that's it. So short episode, like I said, we're coming up on 50 minutes. I always say short, and then we just ramble. Um, 50 minutes, is, that's a quick episode right there. Yeah, that's true. Not bad, though. Good week. We are 4-0. Uh, we will have a full, full, full Ohio State preview later this week. Uh, one part of this game that I'm, I'm very surprised you didn't mention, and we're going to give a shout-out on the way out. Best quarterback in the country. Sean Clifford. Right, baby. One for one, 44 Man yards. hasn't knows, thrown an incomplete pass yet. <laughs> it was an absolute dime to Matt Kiffenhaber. I was, I was a, I'm very surprised Tommy Stevens did not get in the game. Very surprised. So am I. I, I it must be like one of those things where his injury is kind of lingering, and he can go if we need him to, but if we don't need him to, we're not. You know, we, we want to kind of um, – be conservative with him. And it might also be a thing with, uh, like you said, kind of not revealing the whole playbook during Illinois. True. Maybe we don't want to reveal, you know, everything we're doing with Tommy Stevens this season before it gets to the, te- the games that really matter. Yeah. And if that's the case, I'm totally fine with it. And, and same with the injury. Like, why put him in there if you don't need to? I just figured once they were pulling Trace out, like, you'd want to get him a couple of reps so he's in, you know, game speed and ready to go. But I agree with it, you. It's hard. It's hard to do when you have the best quarterback in the nation and Sean Clifford. So sure. uh, that's it ever. for this week. Ever, ever of all time. That's it for this week. Uh, no names, all Gabe. Check us out. As always, Instagram, Twitter. You can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor. I probably don't need to say that because if you're listening yeah, to this, already you know where to listen. I don't think we need to sell them on the podcast while we're listening. <laughs> Fair enough. Follow us on social media. Check us out. Tell your friends. Another great week for the good guys. We are.